Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Amen. May we honor God, our Father, Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who died for us. We honor the Holy Spirit. I give honor to my wife and to uh, Pastor Dave and Mama Ann in their absence, to these deacons and deaconesses and to all of the ushers and to the choir, to the wows and to all of you, part of God's family. And if you're not, you're in the right place to become a part of his family. This morning we're looking at a, a very serious subject that we hear on the news lately. And as I was praying and fasting about what to share and it's something that I've looked at before, but I'm looking at it from a different perspective this morning. And so we're looking at the, the subject of how to survive in a Me Too society. How to survive in a Me Too society. When we look at our society, it is made up of uh, those whom God have breathed into them, the, 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 the nostrils, the breath of life. We have both men and women, male and female, created he, them. But then we have a different uh, category uh, that's recently got more prominence than the male and the female. We have a different category. We're not going to deal with that this morning. I just want to let you know that it's out there. So we look at this, this subject and we're looking at how the life of Joseph, he, he shows and he depicts for us that that there are, there are victors, victims rather, and there are victimizers, or those who perpetrate uh, those, uh, those various crimes and those being of a sexual nature. And according to Wikipedia, uh, this phrase, uh, me too, it was coined by Tarana Burke. Uh, she coined this phrase to help survivors of sexual harassment or sexual assault victims realize that they are not alone. According to a new New York Post at a particular university, it states that uh, they recently released this, that of the 17 million of those women that have been assaulted, uh, they said that 69% took place at work. 43% took place in a social setting, such as a bar or a party or just hanging out. 45% was said to took place in the street. And then 15% said that it happened at home. Would it surprise you, my brothers, that 20% of men said they had been sexually harassed? We find that this morning, Joseph, he finds himself in this 20%. And not only can we survive in times like these, but if you have been a victim, you still can overcome the shame associated with the guilt of being a victim. You'll be able to say, as the songwriter wrote, don't call me a conqueror because I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus in him who loved me. Yes, some things happened to me in my life. 
But what happened to me does not define me. Matter of fact, what happened to, to some of you, it don't have to define you. Well, preacher, you can't be saying that some of us out here in the congregation, well, according to statistics, one out of every six women have been a victim of sexual harassment. So when I look around the room and I count, then it lets me know that some of you have suffered uh, this, this horrible, heinous crime of being sexually assaulted. Since this is Black History Month, then I'm, I can look back and, and look at my life and I can just, just look at my, my, my descendants and even look where I am. And, and, and I, too, have, have been a product of sexual harassment or sexual assault. Because if you really look at the truth of the matter, when our, our forefathers and foremothers were slaves, they had no, no choice in what happened to them. A lot of our mothers and grandmothers knew of their great-great-great-grandmothers who, who were taken by the master. And the master had his way with them. And as a result came various offspring. But no matter what happened in our life, God didn't author us being victims, but God authors us overcoming by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and that we are to love God more than anything else in life. God promises us that we can overcome. But we find this morning, obviously we can't deal with everything, but, but, but this morning we want to look at how Joseph, he experienced the presence of God. Joseph, he knew a lot and something about the prosperity of God. Joseph, he also had to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against our souls. In order for him to be a leader in his society, he had to recognize that God sees everything. God is not hid somewhere up in heaven. And when we get alone by ourselves, we, we think that God don't see it. But God sees the end from the beginning. God knows what's going on when we're at work. God knows what's on when we're at school. If you want to be a leader with character, you got to maintain your holiness. The Bible says, holiness without no man shall see the Lord. So Joseph, he gives us a picture here for us not becoming victimizers or even becoming victims. But here we find that in this Me Too society, he was a son who was favored by his father. Amen. His father loved him more than his other uh, 11 brothers. And sad to say, we have some of that same thing going on in our culture. Matter of fact, in, even in some of our homes, we have grandmothers who show favoritism to certain grandchildren. Well, preacher, you, 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 can't, be, you can't say that about about the African-American community. Yeah, I'm saying that about the African-American community because, matter of fact, I know firsthand that it happens. Well, let me go a little bit further. Not only do we have a, a favoritism shown in home, sometimes we, we, we show favorites in the church. But we find James said that, that, that we ought not to, to show favoritism. So, so don't, 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 if you, if you go, if you go love me, you got to love my wife too. Joseph, according to what we find in the scripture, starting in chapter 37, he, he, he was hated by his brothers 
And his brothers at one time, they wanted to kill him, but then one of his brothers intervened, Reuben, the oldest, said, no, let's not kill him. Let's not have blood on our hands. So they put him in a pit. You know the story. But he was pulled in the pit, but he was pulled up, and he was lifted out of the horrible pit, and they sold him into slavery, much like our ancestors. But even in the midst of it all, my brothers and sisters, when you go to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you will find that Joseph, he told his brothers, he says, what you meant for evil. He says, God, he meant for good. When you look at that word meant, it means he, he, they, they, they planned evil, but when, when he said that God meant, he said God weaved it together for his providential plan. It's like, it's like weaving a coat or a sweater. So it says, all in, in the sweater, you see different kinds of yarn going different kinds of places. He said, but God weaved all this thing to work together so that it can save many people alive. And you, in your life, I know some bad things has happened to you, but God will weave all that together for the good to them that love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, so you need to understand that you've been called according to God's purpose. And if you've been called according to his purpose, weeping may endure for a night. But let me tell you this morning, that joy will come in the morning. Just wait for your morning to come. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You got to hold on, my brothers and sisters. God is able to sustain you. So, so we noted that, that Joseph, we see in this story, we see the predicament of Joseph, but we see the providence of God. And we see the predicament of Joseph. Joseph, he experienced something that we need to, we need to garner in our life. Look at verses 2 in, in, in chapter 39. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph in verse 2. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that, that the Lord was with him. Look at verse 21. 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 23. And the keeper of the prison did not look at anything he had, but, but understood Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. You need to understand, my brothers and sisters. The scripture says in the New Testament, the Hebrew writer wrote, says, let your, your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For it is he who has said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. What God is on our side. What can man do to me? You have to understand that even though they perpetrated various things against you, you have to understand that God is still on your side. Well, God, how can you let this happen to me? But God is still on your side. God, how can you let me go through what I went through? God is still on your side. And he is working it out for the good in your life. Yes, yeah, the enemy, he comes in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard against him. So we see the presence of God in Joseph's life. Notice also the prosperity of God in his life in verse 5. Verse 5, so it was from that time that he made him an overseer of his house. And all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Let me read that again. 
the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Look at God. You know, God, right now, some folk are reaping benefits of blessing because of you. You got, even in your classroom, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you're walking upright and honorable, God is blessing your classroom, even your teacher, for your sake. Y'all don't believe me? Y'all don't see that, but, but the scripture says that God blessed he, he blessed the Egyptians' house, not only his house, but Potiphar, who, who was, he, was, he was captain of the secret service for, for, for Pharaoh. He said he blessed his field. It's, it's in the text. So, so because of Joseph being where he was, you see, God had to bless the Egyptians' house because God was taking Joseph somewhere. So because God was taking Joseph somewhere, he had, to, he had to lift up Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar, of the captain of the secret service. And even in our life, God, he will, he will cause us to prosper because he's working in us to his ultimate plan in, in our life and for his kingdom. Well, I'll show you that later on. So we see then the prosperity of God. Well, well define prosperity, practically speaking, preacher. Okay. Prosperity then it simply means the Lord giving you what you need in order to succeed in his kingdom agenda. Can I say that again? The Lord giving you what you need in order to succeed in his kingdom agenda. So in other words, God will prosper you when it benefits his kingdom. God will elevate you when it benefits his agenda. God will position you when it concerns what he's doing in a particular place, situation, or circumstance. That's what prosperity is. That's why Joshua, the Bible says, God told Joshua, don't let my word uh, proceed out of your mouth. He said, in it you shall have good success. He said, I will cause you to prosper in all that you do. So as long as Joshua, he followed the word of God, the will of God, and the plan of God, Joshua prospered in all that he did. And the nation of Israel, they were victorious. But when he ignored God's word, when he didn't consult God, okay, then the enemies, they came in. We find also that, that we need to, if you want to be a successful leader in this me to society and you want to survive for us we have to refuse to go there we can have the presence of God in our lives we can experience the prosperity of God but what but that alone does not help us when it comes to surviving in this me too culture what are you talking about look at verses 7 and verse 8 and it came to pass well no look at verse 6 first Says, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not know what was in his hand except the bread that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. We might need to camp out there for a minute. Now Joseph had it going on. He had the six pack. He had the abs. Uh, he had the triceps busting loose. 
I can imagine he might have had on one of them, them little, them little slim-fitting shirts. Walking around in Potterfield's house. Well, I'm just, just, just got to imagine my sanctified man. He said he, he was handsome. That's what the scripture said. That means he had a good physique in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, she saw his six pack. She cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. Translate that in today's uh, vernacular. Come and sleep with me. Have sex with me. Ain't nobody going to know. We're going to send all the servants out. It's going to just be me and you, Joseph. Verse 8, the scripture said, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is, is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has in my hand. So let me encourage you, if you are being tempted, and you, you need to understand that this temptation, it was not a fly-by-night temptation. It was a sustained temptation. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Christmas, New Year's, Martin Luther King holiday, President's Day. She's still talking to Joseph that he did not heed her. So, so you have to understand that you have to refuse to go there. You have to refuse to go there in your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you entertain the thoughts of someone coming on to you. I'm talking to somebody this morning. If you just think about it for a little while. You're letting that seed being sown in your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart. Let me get back to the text. I have, I have been in situations. And I want to say something ungodly. But it's like the Holy Spirit whispered in my in my, into my mind, in my head, saying, don't go there. Even at home, when things ain't going like you think they ought to go, and you want it, you got to have the last word. Talking to me now. The Holy Spirit, will tell, he'll tell me just as clearly like I'm looking at y'all, I'm hearing you, hearing you. The Holy Spirit will say, hold your peace. He'll say, be still. He'll tell me a soft answer would turn away wrath. So refuse to go there. He recognized, notice Joseph's recognition in it says, How then in verse 9, the beep, the C part, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, the sin is, wouldn't just be against my wife. Any kind of sexual uh, come on to somebody other than her. The sin is ultimately against God. And young folk, you have to understand that God wants to position you where you can be used in his kingdom. 
And some of you are circumventing God's plan for your life. Some of you are being victimizers. And you got a, you got a whole statistic of victims in your life. But God is saying enough is enough. How how can we overcome it, preacher? Even before I get to the end, you have to understand the scripture says in the book of James, we've been studying James. He says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Limit and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. So we have to therefore submit to God. But it's hard for us to submit to God when we don't want to submit to the authority that he has over our lives. We don't want to submit to the under-shepherd of this house. And I'm moving on. We don't want to submit ourselves one to another according to Ephesians. The scripture said in Ephesians, before it gets to women, wives submitting to your husband, it says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God, talking about the husband and the wife. But then it comes back and says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I heard a wife say, well, if my, wife will, if my husband will love me as Christ loved the church, then I submit to him. I heard him say, well, if she submit to me, then I love her as Christ loved the church. So not only should we refuse to go there, we need to refuse to be there. So he says in verses 9 and 10, he said, he did not heed her. He did not even to lie with her or to be with her at the end of verse 10. So he didn't, he didn't even hang out with her. And it, and it gets me. My brothers and sisters, when I, when I see folk in an office environment, I, it gets me when, when they, they're placing themselves in, in harm's way. Going to, going to lunch with someone of the opposite sex, just you and them. Well, well we, what ain't that going to happen? We, we're just friends. Yeah, you 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 just friends now. But at the right time, given the right circumstance, husband and wife ain't acting right at home. The enemy plants a seed in your mind. Just, just go to lunch and just tell, just tell her about what's going on. Same thing happening in her household. Husband gone TDY. He won't ever stay home. You go to lunch this time, it's, it's all innocent. And all of a sudden, you're reaching for the same thing, you imagine touch your hand. Do you realize that there is power in a physical touch? There is, there is Holy Ghost power in a holy touch, and there is demonic power in a, in a physical, fleshly touch. That's why... Statistics bear out that, that 80% of women who consent to having sex outside of marriage never intended to do so when it happens. 80% according to statistics. It's consensual between you and your, your boyfriend or your fiancé, 
But at the time it happened, after it's over, you never really intended to have sex at that time. So refuse to go there, refuse to be there. And I put guards around my marriage. I ain't going to lunch with nobody at no time, under no circumstance. I ain't trying to hear that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not oh, no, but the scripture says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and the law that is meditated in both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in its season. How can you bring forth fruit in your season when you have a corrupted character? The Holy Spirit can't use you if you are dirty and filthy. How can, you, how can you bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness if you a bad tree? A good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a bad tree can only bring forth bad fruit. Jesus says you would know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit are you bearing at work? What kind of fruit are you bearing at school? I know what everybody's doing at school, but you ain't got to be like everybody else. Because you got the Holy Ghost. You got the Word of God down on the inside of you. And Paul said that the love of God constrains me. Yeah, yeah, though they talk about me, I'm going to stand firm in my faith. Though they look at me kind of funny, I'm going to stand firm in my... They can talk about me all day long. The more they talk, I'm going to bend my knees. I ain't going out like that. And finally, refuse to stay there. Refuse to... Not only just refuse to be there, refuse to stay. Look at verse 11. And verse 12, it says, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. None of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, Joseph, here it is. I went by Victoria's Secret just for you. Joseph, bam, it's all yours. Look at all this, this cleavage, Joseph. Let's not get too R-rated. So look at verse 12. He says, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand. And he fled and ran outside. He left his garment in her hand. He ran and fled outside. Commentator said Joseph was about 27 years old uh, during this time. And, and, and men, you know, at that age, we're in the prime of our virility. <laughs> Amen. We don't need to see none of them commercials about it in the blue pills during that time. But <laughs> Joseph, he, he realized that, that, that how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph went back in his life. He went back when he had this dream. God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph said that, 
told his, his, his family, he said, your sheaves will bow down to my sheaves. God has given some of you a vision of your future. He's, he, he's spoken to you through, through your parents or your grandparents and said, you're going to be somebody. He's spoken to you through the pastor, even Mama Ann, and said, God's got great things for you in your life. He, God has spoken to you even in a dream. He's shown you that you're going to be a leader somewhere, someday. But because of the enemy of your soul, He's plotting and plotting against you because he, he don't want you to, to, relieve, to realize your full potential in God. I doubt if I'd be standing here this morning had God not allowed me to go through some things that I went through. It was in the midst of the trial that I remembered the word of God. And the word of God said that marriage is honorable and the married bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I don't want to be judged by God. So I got to flee this situation. I can't stay in this situation. If I stay any longer, I will succumb to the enemy of my soul. But I'm glad this morning that there is no temptation taking us but such as is coming to man. But God is faithful who will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. Don't say you got to stay there. God has already made a way out in your life. Don't stay in that situation at work, at school, even at home. Flee the situation. God has a great plan and a great future for your life. God is able to sustain you, but you got to cooperate with God. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. I know how she looked. I know how he looked, but you got to obey God. God said flee fornication and youthful lust with war against your soul. It's been said. That the best equipment for surviving in this Me Too society. And Jeff had him on this morning. I wonder, I'm glad. Now Jeff coming here got on a suit. And then he got on them shoes. And I said, you know what? Jeff ready in this Me Too culture. Because Jeff said he got on some shoes that'll help him flee fornication. He got on some shoes that'll help him get away when things get too hot. Jeff says we got on some shoes that when he is tempted, he said that blessed is the man that endure temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. I'm reminded when Jesus was tempted. The scripture says he was like as we were. He was tempted in all points, yet he was without sin. He was tempted in the garden of Gethsemane. He was tempted by his flesh. And he prayed that prayer, Lord, if it be thy will, let this bitter cup pass from me. 
But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It was God the Father's will for him to go to hall to hall. It was God the Father's will for him to walk the Via Della Rosa. It was God the Father's will for him to have the cross on his back. It was God the Father's will for them to hang him high and stretch him wide. It was God the Father's will for him to hang his head in the locks of his shoulders. It was God's will for him to die for you. Shed his blood for me. It was God the Father's will for him to take him off the cross, lay him in a tomb. But God's will was for him to get up early, resurrection morning, with all power in his hand. And the same power that Jesus got up with the grave with, and the power that resides within every believer. And this morning, we don't have to be a victimizer. We can walk in the love and admonition of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how it looks like. It doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. You need to close your eyes every now and then. You need to look to the hills from which coming all of your help. All of my help comes from the Lord. Scripture says he, he went on to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making an intercession for you and for me. So this morning, if you've been victimized in this Me Too culture, or you may have been a victimizer, he's interceding on your behalf even right now. He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this same Jesus, the Bible says he's coming back. He's coming back for a church without blemish and without spot. He's coming back for the church. And you may be in the building, but you may not be part of the church. The church is the group of baptized believers in Christ Jesus who walk by faith and not by sight. So this morning, if you have not been born again, as you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask that you will stand. And this morning, if you want to come and surrender your life to Jesus. This morning, if you want to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to, to come this morning. You can make it a, you can commemorate what some refer to as Super Bowl Sunday. For you, it'll be Super Sunday. Because it's a Sunday that you yielded yourself to the Spirit of God that was drawing you. Because Jesus says, no man can come unto me. Except the Father who sent me draws him. And he said, and I will raise him up at the last day. He says also that all that the Father give me will come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast them out. So this morning, the Spirit of God may be drawing you. To, that's an inward pull by the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be born again by the word of God. Covered in the blood of Jesus. Why don't you come this morning and yield yourself to what God is doing in your life. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information service times, or directions to our place of worship.